the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Hour 2 of Backbone Radio. Matt Dunn here. It is June 5th, 2022. Your thoughts, of course, invited as the program goes on at 303-696-1971. And every week I could do a whole show about how bad Biden is, how bad Kamala is. But I do just try to work in uh, at least a few vignettes in every program just to know, just so we're documenting the sheer badness of this time period, this darkness. This is a very dark and a very corrupt time we are living through in America. I mean, Sussman gets off. A D.C. jury lets him off from the Durham special counsel prosecution. Things like that. Go down the list. Um Two-tiered justice system, if you are an establishment member, a friend of the regime, you get off scot-free, you can do whatever you want. But if you are not a member of the establishment, oh, they come after you, and people like Peter Navarro get leg irons, arrested for the cameras, see? That's the world we are living in. It is incredibly corrupt, but I say it is unsustainable. It's unsustainable, and I don't know how it will ultimately prove to be unsustainable, but the Biden administration is blowing it so badly. The ruling class is so corrupt, so incompetent, and so, frankly, beleaguered. You'll notice that, you know, they never lose, they never lose, but yet they've never been more exposed, and they've, you've never had the American people more aware, at least millions of us, of who they really are and what their true colors really are. Now, Joe Biden is busily out there, you know, almost even boasting about how, oh, isn't it great that we are transitioning to a green economy? Yeah, there might be some pain along the way and you might have some high gas prices and food prices. Inflation might be high, but yeah, we're, we're just transitioning to this great new green era and so we should be thankful for that and you know you've got brian deese who's the nec director works in the uh, biden administration and you know he's he's defending the current crop of biden policies as the united states economy transitions away from oil and gas to windmills and solar power and people know it's not playing well um i have a lot of you know, friends in town who like to send me political messages. And I got one yesterday where a friend of mine's over at Wash Park, you know, Wash Park and filling up the gas tank and just under $5 a gallon over there, by the way. But there was three stickers on the pump. And one of them is Joe Biden pointing at the price on the pump and saying, I did that. There's another one with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris together on the sticker pointing at the price saying, we did that. And then there's another one of Donald Trump, also a sticker on there that pointing at Joe Biden's sticker saying he did that. Anyway, can you believe this? And so the gas prices going through the roof and Joe Biden comes out and actually, you know, he says this. And by, by the way, it's all happening by design, right? This is what they wanted. But listen to Joe Biden 
say that, hey, no, this is this is here to stay, this kind of stuff. There's a lot going on uh, right now, but the idea we're going to be able to, you know, click a switch, bring down the cost of gasoline is not likely in the near term, nor is it with regard to food. Food is what he was saying before we mercilessly cut him off there. The, uh, hey, you know, we can't just flick a switch and bring down gas and food prices. But they flicked the switch to raise them. That's that's the thing, is that they, they, they turned the switch on to create the gas prices that are through the roof and the food prices. And I saw that uh, Scott Pressler, who's the wonderful MAGA activist, is actually coming to Colorado soon, and he's going to hold voter registration rallies at gas stations, even in Colorado. <laughs> so keep your eye out for that guy. He's done it in New York and a few other states, and people are all together quite excited to um, register and vote Republican. Wish I could say that Republicans were all good, but, you know, hey, it's, it's better than registering Democrat. When they see these prices, again, a big regressive tax on the poor, the middle, the working classes of this country. And the elites don't even notice this stuff, right? The elites don't even notice. But it amazes me that uh, they're not even trying to, like, uh, alter or change anything. I mean, they... they opened up the uh, the petroleum reserves, right? But that didn't really seem to move the needle at all, and it's kind of dangerously getting low, draining our reserves um, in the, you know, what if we needed that? Like, what if there was some reason we needed that? Now, over at ABC News, Jonathan Carl makes this point. He's like, you know, gosh, right when Joe Biden assumed power, that's when inflation kind of started taking off. I mean, even the media is having to observe this stuff. Although if you look at the numbers, uh, inflation really started to rise almost exactly when 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 Biden came in the White House. Now, now yeah, obviously well that, that argues my point, uh, uh, doesn't it? But 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 look, look at the, look at this chart on gas prices uh, just since February. If, if you look at the I mean, it's it is a it is a shocking increase that, do, you know, doesn't correspond. Yeah. Right. When Biden shows up. Well, that's when inflation takes off. Yeah. And this is somehow, it's what they want. It's what the powers behind the corridors of the Beltway want, because I think somehow they are invested in this transitioned economy. They stand to profit greatly if we can just get rid of this uh, fossil fuel stuff. I don't think it has anything to do with altruism. I don't even think it has anything to do with the climate, but it has everything to do with the pocketbooks of the people who are bankrolling people like Joe Biden. That's my take. That's how I feel about it. Here's another one on gas prices and how damaging they are to the poll data for the left, for the Democrats, for for Joe Biden. Yeah, and again, John, we heard the president John say Harwood, essentially the NBC. economy in this historical sense, the economy is very strong. And we've heard over and over, I know you do all the time, the fundamentals of the economy are still there and they are still strong. But again, that message if it's getting if it's getting out there, people aren't believing it. Do you, because you look at the poll numbers; they really are historically very bad with the president's handling of the economy. Right. Are you sensing that the White House is aware of that? Is this their attempt to try to to respond to that? Oh, they're very well aware of it. Uh, the president's been stuck in the low 40s for quite a long time. Uh, they uh, had some hope earlier this year of getting out of it, uh, and then you've got the war in Ukraine. Gas prices are a very strong driver of a public sentiment about the yeah. economy. So there you go. There you go. That's even John Harwood, who's a fierce left winger, 
having to start stepping back a little bit and saying that, mm, yeah, things are not going well in terms of public opinion for the Biden administration, but yet they're still defending their policies, the switch they turned on to create these problems. And you sit around thinking, like, how can you explain that? I mean, why is that? Why is that this way? Why aren't they trying to fix the problems that they have created? And that's where you go back to the way I opened the show and the way I'm going to go to in the next hour of this program is that the government sees you as an enemy. The government sees you as essentially a plague, a virus, an obstacle, something that they just don't like. They don't like you. You are, in fact, the enemy. That's what it comes down to. They, don't, they want you to suffer, pain for the proles. That's kind of what they're actually doing. And they're kind of, you know, trying to tell. But it puts the media in kind of an awkward situation because the media are the people that helped get the guy installed. The media helped get Biden in there in the first place. And now Biden's in there screwing the pooch so badly that he's kind of making the media look bad. And they're having to sort of find a way to preserve a little bit of their own credibility, right? And they're trying to do that. And are they doing a good job of that? I've got some clips on that. I guess I won't quite have time for that right now. But by the way, there is a something called the IEA, which is the International Energy Agency, which has warned of possible gasoline shortages and the need for rationing in the coming summer months, I guess here we are in June, right? So, um, and they're saying this, that the U.S. could see fuel shortages this summer once people start taking their vacations. And Europe could take a particular hit from the lack of supply. The head of the IEA has warned. When the, holiday, when the main holiday season starts in Europe and the U.S., fuel demand will rise then we could see shortages, for example, in diesel, petrol, or kerosene, particularly in Europe. By the way, one of my buddies was just in Europe, and he says that Europe is on the edge. There might be, you might, Europe is about at the riot level, frankly, even in Europe. It's a kind of a global thing. All right, I'll be right back with more on this. Who likes this riff from The Faces? Stay with me. You can hear Rod Stewart's voice in there. Rod Stewart, before he went solo, he played for the Faces. And there was another band he played with, which I can't think of right now. And I just was informed by the all-knowing Kelly Michaels behind the glass tonight that Rod Stewart just uh, played before the Queen. Is that right? It was either last night or the night before. At the Jubilee. At the Jubilee. Good old Rod Stewart. I believe he's been knighted. Has he not? Is he Sir Rod Stewart? Surely he's been knighted. I mean, if you're going to knight Elton John, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, you're going to have to throw Rod Stewart in there, can't you? You know, and his music, by the way, sounds good at the swim meets when I play a little little Rod Stewart anyway. Glad he's playing for the Queen. (laughs) Had a caller, Brian, earlier in the show, who's a little skeptical about all things royal. Just not into the whole royal thing. (laughs) And... uh, you know, I was like, you are really an American, Brian, aren't you? You're just kind of an American kind of outlook. And I'm kind of there, too. I just I don't get into the royal thing. Another thing I don't get into is the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Man, that dominated the media, and I didn't even read one article on it. Just flat-out zero interest in anything to do with with that. At any rate, yeah, just just keep your eye on Europe in particular. They're going to have some real shortages over there this summer. 
how bad are they going to get? How bad will they get here? And I tell you, the American people, they, one thing we don't go for also is gas lines. Yeah. You get the elites on top. They want to jack our energy prices, our gas prices, our food prices. We're sitting in lines to get gas. If that happens this summer, oh, that's just not going to play well, folks. Can't get baby formula either in the Biden era. It's like a war on babies they're waging. War on babies, war on women. That, that's the Democrats for you. That's our ruling class, folks. Let's say hello to Brian. Brian has checked in. Thanks for hanging on a minute, Brian. Or Nope, Peter. Peter, thank you for checking in, Peter. And glad you are on board. What's what's on your mind, sir? Hey, Doc. Good to talk to you, man. Hey, um, welcome. Just one of the first albums I ever bought was Every Picture Tells a Story by Rod Stewart. So. Was that when he was solo? Is that after The Faces? Yeah, it was after Faces. It had Maggie May and Stay With Me and the Mandolin Wind. Maggie May. Now that to me is one of the all-time great songs. I can still that was when I was a real little kid. I remember that was on the radio all the time, and I yeah, thought yeah. that was a good tune. I liked it even then. Yeah, Maggie May, and then again, she may not. Who knows? You know. But anyhow, I guess he was, um, by the way, a pretty good. Was it soccer or rugby? He's kind of a soccer. I think he owned the soccer team or a couple of soccer. And teams. apparently, he was like a really good athlete himself. You know, as by the way was Julio Iglesias. Julio Iglesias was on the way to a professional soccer career. Then he got some kind of a really bad was it a car accident, some kind of a bad injury, and so he started singing and sort of inflicted the world with Julio Iglesias music all these decades. <laughs> Very good. Um, anyway, I went to this, I went to the summit on Friday. Mm-hmm. I had uh, one tickets on Rand, uh, badge on Randy's show two weeks ago, so. Oh, well done. Well done, Peter. And what would you think? The Western Conservative Summit over at the Gaylord, a big confab, one of the biggest conservative yeah. gatherings in America. I was yeah, there a bit. I got to speak a little bit, and I like to think yeah, I did fact, a very, very good job, you know. In fact, I tell you myself would, you that. that. You would mention that you were going to be introducing uh, Colonel West. Yep. And uh, on Friday, he was there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I thought I was going to see you there, but I guess you introduced him at uh, a different session. Yeah, he uh, he went on, I believe, at like 9.32 in the morning. I have I have the detailed schedule and everything. So we hung on out in the Friday green room. On Friday or Saturday? Friday morning, very early. Okay, I didn't get there until like 11. So. Okay, yeah, you uh, just you barely missed like the best moment of the whole summit was uh, – was my little introduction, you know, just so you know. Yeah, I'm true. I'm trying to work a guilt trip on you, you know. It's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I got there about 11, like I said, and uh, I didn't get to see the evening session because in a half an hour, my uh, parking was going to go from 8 bucks to uh, 30 bucks, so I wanted to get out of there. Yeah, that's a little, that's a little <laughs> steep. By the way, I'm, I'm hanging out with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, you know, in the green room, which is where you hang out before you go on the stage. And I was like, hey, uh, you know, it says, I've been researching it, you're like a master scuba diver? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, and you're a long-distance runner? And he was like, yeah, 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 I do that. And he was like, he's like, you know, hey, this morning I already got my four miles in. And I was like, wow, that's impressive. He says, you know, your air is pretty thin up here. (laughs) He's, he's, I guess he's from Georgia, but uh, I believe he lives now in Texas, and he's lived in Florida. He was representing uh, a congressional district in Florida for several years. But I'm impressed. You get up early, you know, and you run your four miles, and you go give a speech at the summit, and you just keep on trucking, right? Yeah, yeah. And very good great. posture. 
Very uh, mi- one of these military guys. I'm a, I'm a stickler for posture. You know, you got to sit up. I make my kids sit up straight. And well, I was like, you know, hey, uh, appreciating the posture there, Colonel. Good job. And uh, I have to agree with one of your earlier quarters. I was uh, callers. I was impressed by uh, Mr. Hanks. I even spoke to him personally. I was not impressed by his opponent, O'Day. In fact, the crowd was much more enthusiastic for Hanks than they were. Is that right? O'Day. Interesting. Um, I did not get to see the Ron Hanks speech, but you did see it? Yes, I did. And then uh, George Brockler interviewed him afterwards. Great. Um, what uh, What was the Hanks speech like? I mean, uh, did it impress you? Did it motivate you? Um, yeah, well, I'd known a little bit about him beforehand. And, uh, you know, I especially uh, like his view on abortion. He wasn't afraid to say when life st- starts, mm-hmm. which uh, Mr. Oh, Dad, I don't know if you heard about him, but he said, well, me and my wife prayed on it, and it's between the woman and her doctor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I found that offensive because you didn't have to pray. And I just look, you know, he was a, I said he was a Catholic, just look in the Bible. Right. It's about. Right. And, and that and, issue mm-hmm. is going to be big in the 2022 election cycle, and the Democrats want it to be big. They think it's an advantage to them. But I've been doing some shows on this. The poll data says, no, in fact, it's not an advantage to them. And in fact, it's actually probably a disadvantage for the Democrats to try to have the abortion issue be high profile heading into a major 2022 election. So that that could be a, yeah. a big one in our own primary here. Yeah, and you hear a lot about it because their base is loud, and that includes the mainstream media as their base. So you're not going to hear much about it unless you go looking for it. Was uh was Ron Hanks, um, was he uh, fluid? Did he did he give a, a strong speech? Um, does does he come yes. across uh, like a, you know a polished individual? Polished, confident individual. Right. And I spoke to him a little bit afterward in the hallway, and then when I left three hours later, you know, I'm walking out the door and I heard somebody say, "Hey, Pete, you know, thanks for coming." It was him. So. That kind of impressed me. Of all the people, he was talking to a lot of people that day, I'm sure, and he was remembering names. Ooh, now so that's that, retail political skills there. Now that's... Yeah. <laughs> nobody was ever better at that, by the way, than Mike Kaufman, currently the mayor of Aurora, who I've known for many years, and who, of course, I uh, do wish was a little bit more like conservative, you know, but um, yeah. awfully good guy. And uh, boy, he, he gets your name instantly. And you got to have that yeah. skill. In retail politics, if Ron Hanks has that, mm, that's getting yeah, impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely impressive. And it, you know, it was a good experience, the first one I've been to. So it was good. It was very good. I and a good crowd, by the way. I mean, when I was there, it was just it was just packed and overflowing already. And the, you know, we were like the first uh, the first act to go on. I got to help launch yeah, the well, show. You know. Yeah, I think they had a bigger crowd Saturday, especially Saturday evening. But you know. Uh, when I was there, I'm just guessing now, maybe a thousand. You know, and I was just there for the afternoon session. Okay, okay, right on. So the big room was the big room was practically full. Yep, jammed, so jammed I, with um, freedom-loving Americans who see their country and their state in dire trouble right now, dire straits. All right, well, here comes the break. And hey, Peter, great anecdotes, great vignettes from your time there. And we'll be getting to more phone calls. Thank you, Peter. Stay close with us. And if you're on the phone lines, do hang on. 303-696-1971. There we go. I love that bass line on that Sigrid tune called Mirror. And I did vote that. That was the best pop song of last year. And 
sometimes I just keep bringing them back when they're that good, when they're that worthy. And by the way, Ron Hanks, I keep hearing positives about Ron Hanks running for the Senate here in the state of Colorado. Got a little primary coming on. And I'll just throw that out there that um, I stay out of the primaries, you know, but I just, I'm, I'm hearing positives. I'm hearing positive. I'm hearing good things. And uh, I've been impressed when I've heard Ron Hanks speak on the radio. And I did say I was impressed that Ron Hanks went down to Arizona when they were doing their Maricopa County, Arizona. He went down there to check things out just to get some a little fact-finding tour. And he's, um, I think he's impressing people. I think he's surprising people. So keep your eye on Ron Hanks, just throwing that out there. And I want to get back to some some Joe Biden and some of the energy issues, but I wanted to at least have enough time to hit this uh, Ukraine scenario. And I've been um, I've been a very consistent voice in opposition to what we are doing in Ukraine from the beginning, from before the beginning. And some, sometimes I'll get a few listeners a little annoyed with me on this and that I am, like I often do, I'm going dead set against the grain of all the mainstream media propaganda on Ukraine, and I do see it as propaganda. But one thing you are having happen now is that you're not getting very much of these what I call fake news stories that the media has been producing about these uh, these really tough and amazingly courageous rebels in Ukraine who are fighting back the big bad Russians you're not getting that anymore. And I dismissed them at the time when that was happening. But um, now you're starting to get a little bit more realism creeping into the mainstream media that, yeah, Russia's like winning this thing and Russia's kind of walking the floor with the Ukrainian resistance right now. So Western media is confirming Russia solidifying gains in the eastern Ukraine, Donbass region, the Associated Press, and even the Washington Post. And the Washington Post is essentially like reading the CIA. It's the Intel Agency news rag loaded with fake news. Anyway, they're starting to admit a little bit of reality into their news coverage, okay? And again, in my opinion, this kind of conflagration should never have happened and in my opinion, the United States provoked this conflagration. And in my opinion, which is echoed by Christopher Caldwell, who actually writes, a, he's a conservative who was allowed into the New York Times. He wrote a, a nice essay about Ukraine. And he does say this, that um, thousands of Ukrainians have died who likely would not have died if the United States had stood aside. Think about that, that our involvement in Ukraine is actually helping kill people, the Ukrainian people. Now, I know that bothers some to hear that, but that, frankly, in my view, is what is happening in Ukraine in this situation. All right. Um, and it's a very dangerous game that our Western elites, our State Department, our CIA is playing with Ukraine and that the risks of world conflagration here over this are quite high. And that's another point that Caldwell makes in the New York Times. He says, the United States has helped turn this tragic, local, and ambiguous conflict into a potential world conflagration. 
None of this is worth it. None of this is worth it. And by the way, I need to get access to the button bar there. Looks like I've got a screen blocking my, my buttons. There we are. Colonel McGregor, Douglas McGregor, of course, has been a very reliable source, and he's been spot on on this, and he's been a contrarian voice going against the propaganda totally, as we have around here. And two nights ago, he visited with Tucker Carlson on his latest thinking about Ukraine. And again, I feel it's important to keep Douglas McGregor, retired Colonel Douglas McGregor's voice of realism in this debate. And let's just hear a few brief clips of what McGregor has been seeing in Ukraine. What is the objective and how we know when we have achieved it? Well, first of all, this uh, high mobility artillery rocket system the president mentioned is actually a very good system that can deliver a lot of firepower. The problem is we are apparently sending one launcher that has six tubes for six rockets. In addition to that, I don't know how they're going to acquire targets, what level of surveillance or radars they've got. Perhaps they're going to depend on us for space-based surveillance. But I think under the circumstances, given the fact that this is one launcher, not 50, uh, the Russians can probably relax. You know, it's hard when you when you look at something this ridiculous not to conclude that this is a face-saving measure on the part of the administration that really doesn't want to admit that this war was lost a long time ago. If anything, this is sort of like handing somebody a, a life preserver on the beach just as 100-foot waves and a tsunami are about to crash into them. So this, uh, this is not going to have any impact. It's not going to be a game changer. There you go. Douglas McGregor. I've got one more clip I'll go to, but he's just spot on, ladies and gentlemen. I just, um, and again, just had a caller call in and say uh, he agrees with host Dunn and Colonel McGregor on this one. One thing to keep in mind is that the United States, again, is not making any concessions because we don't want to lose face. We're heading into an election cycle, and after losing face so grievously in Afghanistan, they don't want to lose face again over Ukraine, so they're not going to do many concessions. And so... Biden administration is closing off avenues of negotiation and working to intensify the war and send more billions over there. You know, uh, our schools are unprotected and our border is wide open. But we're sending billions, truckloads of billions, pallets of billions to Ukraine. But um, it's such a gigantic mess. And with election politics going to be part of this as well. Our State Department, our CIA, our Biden administration could not be more incompetent. And I think anybody should have known, in my opinion, that this was going to turn out this way. Russia sees Ukraine as an existential thing for its own survival. They're not going to let Ukraine go to NATO. They're just not going to do it, period. They will go to the mat for it. Will we go to the mat for it? No, we will not. And so what we are doing is we're helping a bunch of Ukrainians get themselves killed by Russians over there. By the way, we are prosecuting this proxy war. And here's Colonel Douglas McGregor with a little bit more to add. What do you think they're thinking? I mean, I think it's fair for the rest of us to ask, what's what's the end game here? What's the point? When will we know when we've achieved the point and we can stop funding the government of Ukraine? To be frank, uh, this administration and the Defense Department have always been several steps behind Uh, in their thinking about everything. And I think at this point, they want to find a way to keep this war going as long as possible. They don't want to admit that they were wrong, that they've run a tremendous disinformation campaign. 
They don't want to admit that they brought the world, particularly Africa, by the way, to the brink of famine because they've stopped the export of wheat. Uh, they don't want to talk about any of the things that really matter. They want to focus as much attention as possible on anything that promises to harm Russia. And in the final analysis, Russia is going to come out of this looking pretty good. Uh, Ukraine, on the other hand, is destroyed and is effectively a failed state. There you go. The Russian ruble is only increasing in value. The Russia is only selling more oil, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and Africa is uh, facing a massive, drastic food shortage. And the world is, frankly, facing a food shortage. This, this uh, you know, dorking around in Ukraine is not helping the food shortage situation. But yet they don't want to admit they've waged the disinformation campaign. Remember the Ghost of Kiev, the video game they were trying to claim that was like a real pilot shooting down Russians? is actually a video game. And Barry McCaffrey, four-star retired general, was like tweeting that about this video game, thinking that was real life on the ground in Ukraine. These courageous Ukrainians. It's not happening, folks. And you read more details on the ground, and the Ukrainians are suffering greatly and they are giving up and they are fleeing that's the info i'm seeing and they should have known this from the start rational people if they were in our state department cia or biden administration they should have known this from the start and they should have prevented and negotiated a situation for this not to happen where everybody could get a little bit of what they want without having to do this war situation throwing the prospect of nuclear armageddon onto the table but one thing I do think that has been a factor that maybe these people did know at the State Department and the military-industrial complex what was going to happen is that they wanted the laundromat to be activated. They wanted the billions and billions of dollars to be spent on this, that they would get their cut, they would get their percentage. And by the way, you've had to factor in that Ukraine's a nation that has enriched the Biden family personally to the tune of how many millions and millions of dollars? Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma. What corruption, and guess who's going to be dying and starving? Yeah, Ukrainians will die. Africans will starve. There we go. Eddie Money bringing us back with the song, I Want to Go Back. And when this song came out, I didn't like it that much. But for some reason now, I think it's like really one of his best songs, maybe even his best song. And I don't know, Kelly Michaels, but I remember... Steve Kelly, when he was running our afternoon show here, he played a lot of Eddie Money songs, and he said that he and Eddie Money were actually kind of buddies. And that one time back when he was doing uh, FM or uh, music radio, rock and roll radio, as Steve Kelly did better than anybody in the history of radio, that he and Eddie Money, he introduced Eddie Money, and they were on stage together at some big concert and had some really great vignettes and. Big shout out and hello to uh, to our good buddy Steve Kelly. Hey Steve, <laughs> yeah, how you doing, bud? <laughs> yeah, at any rate, uh, he rubbed elbows with everybody. So. Yeah, he knew all the stars, you know. At any rate, uh, when I when I think about our primary coming up, which I do my best to try to kind of stay out of, but I just think you know, vote for your, vote with your heart in the primary, vote with your instincts in the primary. And one other thing you might want to vote for is who do you think can best stand up to the machine, the regime, the ugly and ruthless leftist Democrat machine, but yet also rhino machine 
that is screwing up this country, that is ruining this country? Who's the best person with the fiber, the courage, the stamina to stand up to these people? So just throwing that one out there. And do we, uh, looks like, oh, we were, I was going to go to the phone lines, but we might not have Nick on board anymore. Okay, we, we did lose Nick, so I, we were going to chat a bit about Ukraine. And again, my position on this one has been consistent, and, uh, you know, you've even got Noam Chomsky out there praising Donald Trump for his common-sense position on Ukraine, that this should be avoided and we should be negotiating this one, and Trump's the only statesman of national and global stature in the eyes of Noam Chomsky, again, who sees this situation, uh, you know, we need we need some voices like this to stand up to avoid what could be like World War Three for crying out loud. OK, now. Um, oh, Nick is back. So, Nick, welcome to the program. And don't know if you have any thoughts on Ukraine, but uh, you might. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for uh, taking the call. Uh, you know, I'm in the same boat as you are. You probably have access to more information than I do. But the problem is it's really hard to, li- to, to read the tea leaves and try to figure out what's really going on. But my major concern has always been that Biden is so corrupt that he will do anything to enrich himself and his buddies. And number two, he's such, a, he's such an idiot that I was afraid that he was going to get involved in a situation and it was going to spiral out of control. And all of a sudden we have a huge mess on our hands. And right now that's what's happened with Ukraine. I don't know whether we had, uh, whether we're responsible for what the Russians did. I think most of the blame has to be with the Russians, but I don't know exactly what our, our, uh, our role in all this has been, but there's all kinds of stuff that you and I don't know about that's happened, just like most world events. Probably true. But we have to make our, uh, our best educated, uh, informed opinions. And, but actually, in some ways, I think we might know more than the people behind the scenes because we apply common sense to what's going on. And the common sense of it is, is that you know, Putin has been very clear since 2007 that he will not be allowing Ukraine to join NATO. He's just not going to do that, and that's an existential issue for Russia, period. And okay, if you, do, But do we need Ukraine as a part of NATO? Is that existential for America? No, it is not. And um, when you have that kind of asymmetry in a situation, and Ukraine is right there next to where the Red Army is, you're not going to win this thing unless you want World War III to have Ukraine be part of NATO. And the American well, you know people something? don't want that. I blame Putin for this in that uh, he could have made a stipulation, we'll leave Ukraine alone as long as they don't join NATO. He did. And we he tried to do that. And that's where America would not allow that. America kept pushing for Ukraine to be part of NATO. That's why I well, say we've provoked it. Completely unnecessary. Completely well, ridiculous. Here we are. We, here we are staring down the barrel of, of food shortages and oil shortages and energy shortages and everything else. We've got a complete idiot in the, ho- in the yes. White House, and I'm afraid all these issues are going to start uh, interplaying with each other, which they already have, and it's going to spiral out of control, and this idiot will make all the wrong moves. Biden and Kamala could not be 
or oh, ill-suited to a moment like this potential world conflagration. I mean, they, they like you. It's amazing, by the way, you talk to, I talk to, you know, so many people on a daily basis and everyone just shakes their head. Oh, my gosh, Biden, Kamala, they're such idiots. They're such, they can't even believe it, how big of idiots these people are. And it's, we all just go around living like this, like, <laughs> and then uh, the way you say it, Nick, was such a, with such just accuracy and intensity, I mean, you're, you're echoing what basically this entire country is thinking about our current regime. Now, in, in a way, I wish we had the parliamentary system like they have in England, because in England or in most countries that have a parliamentary system, if their chancellor or prime minister screwed up this badly, he would be forced to call for elections almost immediately. In our system, we're stuck with this bozo until the next election. That's true, I expect, if he can hang on health-wise that long, and that is a question mark. But as long as he's in there, all he's doing is dragging the entire Democrat Party down like a stone and dragging the rhinos like Mitch McConnell, who helped get Biden installed, down like a stone as well. I mean, he's reflecting badly on the media and everybody else. The, the Biden enablers are looking, uh, looking very poorly about now, Nick. Well... That might be, but in the meantime, a lot of damage is being done and will be done. Totally. If, and I don't know how to – the only thing we can possibly do at this point in time is I hope the Republicans don't, <clears throat> again, snatch victory from defeat uh, or defeat from victory. And they win the uh, midterms, so at least put a break on this nonsense. Yeah, you'd like to think that that might happen. And I think that if it's a free and fair election with full election integrity, you will see a red tsunami. And so the game is on to try to make sure we have that election integrity. And that's part one. And the other part is to make sure we don't get America last rhino Republicans elected, which is what Karl Rove is trying to do all across this country. That's right. That's why I recommend following the endorsements that Trump makes and his record is like 96% of who he endorses does win. But he's generally choosing, with the exception maybe of Dr. Oz, but he's generally choosing the America Firsters, the people that will have the strength, the courage, the stamina to stand up to the, the evil regime we're living under. So that's, that's the big stakes for 2022. And who knows how it's going to play. I mean, they want to have abortion and guns be the main issues, and they want to get your eyeballs off of gas prices, inflation, Ukraine, and the rest of it. So we'll see. And I'll say one more thing, and I'll get off the phone. I used to think that all the bad things that are happening are just due to incompetence. I'm now coming around to the point of view that this was all intentional. As a matter of fact, the diehards in the Democratic Party want this chaos. They want high, high prices, because who does, it, uh, who does it hurt the most, just like all these shutdowns during COVID? It hurts the blue-class people or the blue-collar people. The working class, the, the middle most. class, yes. and the middle class. By the way, Nick, you could not have offered a better segue into what is coming next in the next hour of this program. Is it incompetence or is it legitimately, diabolically intentional what they are putting us through? And I'm going to offer my thoughts on it. So, Nick, thank you for that segue. It's Matt Dunn here. It is Backbone Radio, and we've got a lot of steam ahead. Be right back.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.